Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Who would have ever thought by obeying the the commandments of God, we could find true happiness? And uh, we have discovered that the Ten Commandments, nine of them Jesus repeated, but the one commandment we talked about last week, which many of you appreciated, and I did get some responses from those online and from some of my friends who honor the Sabbath and who worship on Saturday. Remember what I said when we ended the message. Respect someone no matter what day they worship. Amen. Isn't that what the scripture teaches in Romans? If you think uh, Monday is the Sabbath, go ahead and we, we should applaud you and take that rest that day and honor God. But we've discovered we obey these commandments because it will bring us true happiness and because Jesus promoted these commandments. And so this week is about obeying your parents. And all the parents said, Amen. How many, how many, how many young, how many under 20, raise your hand in here, under 20. Uh, they knew I was going to speak on it, so they left. <laughs> you know what's amazing? The Bible says, honor your father and mother. In fact, let's read it. Deuteronomy 5, 16 and 17. Honor your father and mother. So the title of this message is honor parents, but then honor life. Honor parents and honor life. It says, honor your father and mother and the Lord your God as the Lord your God commanded you. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then following that, you must not murder. I was scratching my head as I read that and said, how come that follows? Honor your father and mother. How many times you've wanted to kill your children? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. And it is something that, that it's right after that commandment of honoring your father and mother. We want to go a little bit quickly through this because we want to get to the commandment, thou shalt not murder, because I know most of you kids honor your father and mother, right? Your first thing is, I want you to notice, do you appreciate them? Parents, have your children been appreciating you lately? Then after service, take them out to dinner. If you're listening online, buy them that new car that they've been wanting. You're always expecting parents to buy you a car. How about you buying them a car? Children, that's your duty. In fact, the scripture says it's your natural duty to respect and appreciate your parents. Malachi 1.6 reminds us that it's expected. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest, A son honors his father. See, it's expected. It's a way of life. And a servant respects his master. And if I'm your father and master, where is the honor and respect I deserve? So God is saying to kids, and even the 21, 22-year-old that is still living home. And then when they leave home, parents leave them alone. Remember that. The Bible tells us, To honor our father and mother. And perhaps it tells us to honor and not love. 
Now, don't walk out of here, children, and say, God's saying, I don't have to love my mom and dad. I'm not saying that. But it isn't amazing. He says, honor rather than love. And then the first commandment, he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength. What's the second commandment? Love thy neighbor. He doesn't say love your mom and dad. Perhaps it's because some moms and dads have been cruel and mean. Now, I'll testify, I did not get along with my mom at all. All my other brothers did, but I didn't. I did not like my mom. In fact, I hated my mother. In fact, I blamed my mother for everything that went wrong in my life. And then I got saved. And then this commandment kept reminding me, honor your mother. Because back in the 70s when I got saved, we used to go into the churches and share our horrific testimonies. That's what we were taught. Tell them how bad you were. How much drugs you got involved in and how, many, um, how much money you stole or how many girls you had or whatever the case is. You, the, the worse it was, the more that people came. And then at the end, you'd say, now you want to give your life to Jesus, don't you? I thought there's something wrong about that. And God kept convicting me about what I'd said about my mom to where I was uncomfortable. In fact, I have a book on my computer that I've written that someone wants to help me go public with it. But I can't do it. My mom's 90 years old. I just visited her this week. I honor her. Whether I love her or not, when I go to get Mother's Day cards, I, I, I don't know what to say. When I visit my mom, I, I have a hard time knowing what to say. That's how bad it was. But God said, honor. So I don't care what your mom and dad was like. You do not Get a pass at honoring your mom and dad. Amen? Amen? That's a commandment from God. Show them you appreciate them. So I, I keep thinking, okay, where, I mean, literally, I have to go back in my memory bank and say, what, what did I appreciate about my mom and dad? Well, my mom had a good work ethic. And she had taught all her six sons to work hard. So even when I was a hippie and a bum, I knew no one was going to feed me if I didn't go out to work. I learned that from my mom and dad. And they taught us to respect authority, which is one of the things that God commands you to do. Respect authority. I like what Sigmund Freud said, even though I don't like a lot of his teachings, but sometimes even wicked men, cruel men, atheistic men can say something that's profound. And he said, one's attitude towards one's father largely shapes one's attitude toward God. Another reason why you need to respect your mother and your father. Well, the Bible teaches us to accept their authority. It's a command of God. Honor your father and mother. In Colossians 3.20, it tells us don't honor them just in a few things. Honor them in everything. It goes, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Even Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 51. Remember the incident where he stayed in Jerusalem and his parents were on their way home. And three days later, they found out he wasn't with them. And they went back to the temple. And then he left with them. And the scripture tells us, then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. 
Jesus, God himself, was obedient to his earthly parents. And then the Bible says he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Well, it is a command. Two reasons why parents teach that you should honor. It's because they understand that they honored their parents. Now you, in turn, should honor your parents. And if you don't honor your parents, then your children are not going to honor their parents. But a lot of parents are moving away from being the authority figure because of what's happening in society. They're afraid to use their clout as a parent. I see that all the time. Kids are not raised the way I was raised and the way my mom and dad was raised. It is totally different. Another problem, many parents seek to be loved by their children instead of being a parent to their children. They want so badly to be loved and accepted, and many parents are insecure that they're afraid to discipline their children. And you fail to do that, they're going to grow up not respecting authority. Children, God says not only should you um, obey the authority, it says you should treat them with respect. In Leviticus 19.3, the scripture teaches us Each of you must show great respect for your mother and father. Now, there's a reason for that. God says, honor your father and mother in Matthew 15. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of a father or mother must be put to death. There'd be a lot of empty nesters if all the kids were put to death when they disrespected their mom and dad. When we grew up, I'm serious, we didn't say anything to our moms and dads. I remember, I've told you the story, I said one little cuss word in my home, D-A-M, and I said, how come I have to do all the D-A-M work in this house? (laughs) That was my worst nightmare. I had to go in the garage, wait for my dad to come home from work late at night. Wives, please don't hit your husbands when they come in that door late at night, tired from a day of work, and say, do you know what your son did? Do you know what your daughter did? He cursed at me. My dad walks in the garage. He looks around, and there's a baseball bat. It was a plastic one, just in case you don't know. But it was the big plastic ones. How many know those big plastic bats with the big fat end on it? Man, I didn't know my dad could swing a bat so well. He clobbered me all over the... Now, that today would be what? (laughs) Child abuse. I could be rich today. (laughs) But I didn't know any better back then. You just did not talk back to your parents. It was just a rule. That's not what's happening in our society. But, but you who love God need to go to God's word, not to society, to understand how you should treat your parents. And the Bible says you should treat them with respect. You know something I discovered? He said not only should you treat them with respect, but you should provide for your parents. Wow, I didn't know that. Because one of the passages in Scripture my wife always brings out to me is that the parents should leave something for their children and their grandchildren. How many know that passage in the Scripture? It kind of says that. But did any of you know that if they don't have anything, that the children should provide for their parents? 
Let's look at 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 4. It says, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But it's not just a widow. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home. And here it is. And repay their parents for taking care of them. Wow. I'm going to spend all my money right now so I have nothing. (laughs) So my kids can take care of me. I didn't know that was in. I, I kind of forgot about that passage. But truly, we live in a state where there's a lot of senior adults. And some of your moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas can barely make ends meet because they took care of you. They worked two jobs. They sent you to school. They put clothes on your back, food on the table, money in the bank for you. Like my kids, I couldn't buy them a home, but we helped them with their first $5,000 and buying them a car because I didn't want them to go work in a restaurant where I learned how to sin. My first job was at a restaurant, and I learned every kind of sin I shouldn't have ever known at all. So I said, I don't want my kids to work in a restaurant. So, honey, we'll help them get into their first car so they don't use going to work as an excuse to buy a car. And now they can continue going to school. There's many sacrifices your parents have made for you. And God said you should appreciate them. You should respect their authority. And you should provide for them if there is a genuine need. Here's the wonderful thing about this. It kind of lines up with our series theme. True happiness Did you know this is the first commandment that comes with a promise? The first commandment that comes with a promise. Deuteronomy 5 in verse 16 tells us, it says, If you honor your parents, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. And again, this is one of those ten commandments A lot of the commandments, a lot of the laws, remember there's 613, a lot of the things that God taught, he taught to Israel. And it was a covenant relationship with Israel. And we can go to a lot of the promises we know that were just for Israel. But there are truths in those commands to Israel that are transferable to all those that believe in God. And we believe this is one of those. Because Jesus quoted this particular commandment, that you will live a long life. Now, you could obey your parents and leave home and drive a car 85, 95 miles an hour, like Tiger Woods, 75 miles an hour, and he hit a twee. And he survived. He was very, very fortunate. And you could die. You could have honored your mom and dad. And so there are things that you can do that would trump the truth of this commandment. But overall, as a rule, God says if you will honor your mom and dad, the promise is that you will have a quality and quantity life. Well, I didn't honor my father and mother very well growing up. But you know what? Since then, I've confessed my sin And I have honored my mother, and I believe that God has forgiven me. And now I get to live a long life, I hope. Honor your father and mother. 
is the only commandment that gives a reason why we should observe it. Okay, there are many things we could say about this particular commandment, but you get the just of what God is saying, children, teenagers. And again, one other thing I want to say to parents again, that once the child leaves home, you, you have to leave them alone because a child will leave his mother and father and cleave, or a man will leave his mom and dad and cleave to his wife. And now I have no authority over my children except what they give me. I tell them that all the time. When people enter my office and they want to talk about their problems, I remind them, the only authority I have in your, in your life is what you give me. Now, if your ears are open, I will share some things you can do about the predicament that you're in. Children, obey your parents. If obeyed, it will lead to true happiness and long life. Now, the, the sixth commandment, honor life. I call it honor life. You shall not kill. The commandment, thou shall not kill. Actually, some of our translations do an injustice to what the Hebrew actually says in this particular passage. It's two words, not murder. Because too many in society try to justify saying, I can't go to war. Or I cannot defend my home if someone tries to break in my home and come after my children. I cannot defend myself. That's not what the scripture teaches in the sixth commandment. Thou shall not murder or not murder. Now, I want to go in a little bit different direction with this and share with you some things that we are doing in our society that people are not considering murder. But just before I get to that, I want to remind you that this subject on murder or killing is getting cloudier by the day. We know it's wrong to murder anyone no matter their ethnicity, race, or religion. But society is numbing us to murder with murder movies, murder games, and murder protests. Murder happens every day, and we are all too familiar with it, and it's unacceptable to God. And yes, all lives matter including babies, blacks, business owners, cops, Christians, Caucasians, and every other race, religion, and our representatives. It is called murder. Everybody should get excited about that because that's not what's being preached in the public arena. Notice I included everyone. It's never okay to murder mom, dad, child, neighbor, business owner, or those in authority. Our society at this very moment is outraged by one type of murder, and we should. But where is the outrage for the other types of murder that's taking place in our society? Let me explain. What about euthanasia? By the way, when you Google that, there's two ways to say that name. Euthanasia, you use it over across the waters, and euthanasia. You can pronounce it either way. The Bible tells us that actually this is murder. But see, our society, like everything that we do right, that's, that's called wrong, they try to give it another name. They make, to pretty it up, to dress it up, to wrap it up, to make it smell good. 
But euthanasia is taking another human's life and calling it an act of compassion. Or it's called PAS, physician-assisted suicide. Or, here's the pretty phrase, death with dignity. 73% of Americans support euthanasia. Most liberals, when I use the word liberal in this congregation, I want to remind you, for the most part, it's for people that do not believe in God. I'm not necessarily talking about liberal politically. When I speak about it religiously, it's those that do not stand on the word of God. And they take too much liberty to define for you and me who God is. Consider the words of Job. A person's days are determined by God. He said, you have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. Euthanasia, again, P-A-S, assert a desire to be infinite and reject dependence on God, the author of life and controller of life. Euthanasia is the intentional act of taking human life for the purpose of relieving pain and suffering. This can occur passively or aggressively. Active euthanasia involves an intentional act on the part of the physician toward patients that causes death. Passive euthanasia involves withholding treatment with the intent to cause death. Physician-assisted suicide is a type of voluntarily euthanasia in which a doctor either intentionally provokes information to a patient about how to commit suicide or prescribes the means that allow the patient to commit suicide. I wanted to spend just a couple minutes on this because this is happening at alarming rates. I don't want to quote all the great people and names and articles, but one author writes, we should maximize care rather than minimizing suffering. Now, that's new. But Jesus said we will suffer. We run from suffering like it's a plague. But the author writes, we should maximize care rather than minimize the suffering, which might include eliminating the sufferer. Likewise, the authors of Always to Care, Never to Kill, in the journal First Things Concluded, although it may sometimes appear to be an act of compassion, Murder is never a means of caring. Inspired by Melander and the authors of Always to Care and Never to Kill, Stephen Phillips, an Indiana professor and physician, once thoughtfully suggested that sometimes true care is holding someone's hand and suffering right alongside him it is not taking his life or suggesting that he take his own for clarification at least from my viewpoint according to scripture I just want to make it clear because some of you may have 
may have had to walk through this already. That I, not I, but as I look through scriptures, and let's just say my mom says, I do not want to be hooked up to a machine any longer. If, they, if, if a machine has to keep me alive, I'm signing a form that says, take me off the machine. I do not believe that dishonors God at all. So there, there is something that is being accepted in our society, and that is called murder, murdering our grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads, and doctors are doing this, and we're naming it death with dignity. Do a little bit more research on that. Now, what about suicide? Suicide. Over 47,000 or perhaps 1.3 million attempts happened in 2019. We do not call it murder, but God calls it murder. See how we're being dumbed down with these things? Pretty soon, it's going to be, it's okay to get rid of our senior adults. And without being political, that's exactly what happened in a couple major cities of our country deliberately done. And if you don't believe that, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. These aren't exciting things to say, but I need to educate myself, my family, and you about not murdering and what that involves and what that entails. You see, Deuteronomy teaches us in 32, 39. Now look, I myself am he, there is no other God but me. I am the one who kills and gives life. I am the one who wounds and heals. No one can be rescued from my powerful hand. By the way, there are seven cases in the scripture where suicide took place. And the more famous cases, of course, Samson. Saul, who fell on his sword, took his own life. Ahithophel, one of King David's advisors, who went out and hung himself when his advice was not taken by King David's son Absalom. And then, of course, we're all familiar with Judas, who betrayed Jesus and went out and murdered himself. It's still murder from God's viewpoint. Let me say this, though. I do not believe it is the unpardonable sin. Okay, so you may have a family member. I'm very sensitive to these things that I'm speaking to my family here, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not preaching at you. Many of us are familiar with people or perhaps have had a family member that has died by suicide. Yes, if they believe in Jesus, they went to heaven. Here's the rationale. How many people have died, whether in war, in a car accident, and they didn't get a chance to confess that sin they committed that day or the night before? Are they going to hell because they committed a sin? No. You go to heaven because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone. No telling how many sins you haven't confessed when you die. It could be sins, they call it commission, and uh, uh, sins of commission and sins of Omission. Yeah, my brain wasn't working right then. (laughs) Another one is vengeance. Vengeance. 
we're seeing that played out before our very eyes in the streets of America and around the world. It's justified because of the injustices. Let me tell you something. There's been injustices happening all over the world since the first two boys were on this planet. And one brother decided to kill another brother. It knows no race, ethnic group, religion, or color. It crosses all boundaries. But you are not to take vengeance in your own hands, Christian. I've had many discussions with friends. What do we do if the police come knocking on our door and want to take up our weapons? I'm not going to give the answer to that at this split second. But I do know this. We don't have a right to murder anybody. If someone comes after my children, that's a different story. Someone comes after my wife. Someone comes after a member in our church. We have security here. We're going to do our best to defend you, as did David's soldiers. But vengeance, in Romans 12, 19, it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take vengeance. I will repay them, says the Lord. It is murder to take justice in your own hand. It's murder to hate because you don't get your way. By the way, that's the fifth thing. You hate. That's another way you commit murder. Remember, what Jesus does with adultery, he does with murder. He says to be angry at your brother is to commit murder because it's the genesis of murder, anger. In 1 John 3, 14, 15, he says if we love Christian brothers and sisters, if we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves we have passed from death into life. But if a person who has no love is still dead, anyone who hates another brother or sister, I don't think you look at it this way, is a murderer at heart. Look at the anger that we see on television. I'll tell you plainly, I did not vote for the president that we have today. I'm not ashamed. There's two football teams. I either want this team to win or that team to win. I'm not ashamed to tell you. And don't you need to be ashamed. Don't let anybody cower you and saying, I voted for this person. But because my person didn't win, I don't go around hating the other people and the other party and the other presidents. I pray for him and the vice president and for the other people in his administration. That's what a true believer does. Amen? I don't hate because you cannot hate and have a relationship with God Almighty. It's impossible. It is wrong to falsely yell fire in an elevator where stampedes happen and people are murdered. It is wrong to show favoritism like Jacob did to Joseph and his brothers tried to murder him. Remember, hate is murder. They already did it. It's wrong to be jealous because of someone's position, power, prestige, then kill them like Cain did Abel. It's happening in our society. We don't have what others have, so we hate and we murder. Remember this. Simon and Levi, you remember the 12 tribes of Israel? Simon and Levi are from Jacob. Because their daughter was raped, they took vengeance in their own hands 
and killed everyone in that town, men, women, boys, and girls. What's happening in our society, one wrong seems to justify the killing of innocent people from babies all the way to cops and other people in authority. It's wrong no matter what side of the political persuasion you are or no matter what the color of your skin is. Murder is wrong. It's wrong to falsely accuse. Murder, listen to this, is taking place in America by all races, done to other races, but the media races to one race to make every other race, but one race racist, and I'm against that. You want me to repeat that? I, I wrote this down, so uh, I, I own it. Because I'm tired of being blamed for something I didn't do or that you didn't do. Let me repeat it one more time. By the way, when you come to this church, it's not a politically correct church. But, but I also want to honor God and honor all people. I just told you I pray for those that I might not have voted for. I love them with the love of Christ. Murder is taking place in America by all races, done to other races, but the media races to one race to make every other race but one race racist, thereby inciting one race against another race at a fast pace so hate takes place and murder of the innocent is now what is taking place. Now, if you want that, I'll put it up on the website if I get a few emails. <laughs> but it is. It's, it's time to tell the truth of what's happening. And I'm tired of, that we have to be cowered in the corner and not saying what the truth is. Mob mentality leads many innocent people to murder. And that's what's happening in our streets and happening to Jesus. Yes, it happened to Jesus. One day... They're praising Jesus in the streets as king. And because of the mob mentality that we've seen displayed across America, the mob mentality, anger, and jealousy, they turn those same people who were praising Jesus against Jesus and consented to the unlawful murder of an innocent man, Jesus. And that's happening every day. It's wrong... Let me rephrase it. It's wrong to right a wrong on the backs of the innocent so as to shed blood. All these lead to murder, which God hates. All sinners, all sinners have committed murder because if you've ever been angry, you have committed murder. There's one type of murder that I want to bring our attention to and wind up this morning, and that's the murder. Yes, you heard me say it. Planned Parenthood? Wow, doesn't that sound interesting? Planned Parenthood, it seems so nice. According to the worldmeter.com, or they also quote WHO. We all know who WHO was by now, right? Who is that? <laughs> Over... 
This year alone, so far, over 13 million murders have taken place. They call it abortion or Planned Parenthood. Every year, 50 to 60 babies are aborted. Where is the outrage by the media, by our leaders, and by the people in the streets who say they care about children and other countries where they're murdering them and they seem to be praising their moral ethics as being superior to ours? Every day, 125,000 babies are murdered, 3,000 a day in the United States. A couple scriptures, and then I want to show you a quick video clip. Remember what the scripture says about the womb that the world knows nothing about. Jeremiah 1.5, you're all familiar with. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. If, if, you ha if you have a Bible, you need to underline this so when you talk to your friends in a loving way about this, you need to remind them. Here's another passage you want to mark down, Psalms 139, 13 through 16, about the womb. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in other seclusion and as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You're seeing what God thinks about that little baby in the womb. By the way, God already had plans for that baby in the womb. Galatians 1 15 through 16. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me that I would proclaim good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. One more passage I want to read to you, and that is the Spirit of God does not come upon inanimate objects but it comes upon human beings. Let's remember what Luke teaches us in 1.15. For he, that's John the Baptist, for he, John the Baptist, the scripture teaches us, said he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. I don't understand how one Christian can consent to the murdering of children. And if you are, let me tell you something. If you are in another party, and, and that's fine if that's the party you want to vote for. But if you vote for someone else, you better stand up tall and make your voice heard or you will be an accomplice to well, the laws they are writing against the murdering and butchering of children. You better make your voice heard loud and clear. It's okay to be over here on the side, but you better make your voice heard, and that's what I don't hear. We will never right all the wrongs in this life, and yes, we'll need to stand for what is right in God's sight and practice justice. 
But we don't practice justice on the backs of the innocent, from adults to babies. Today, we're going to talk about how we here at VLC can participate in helping prevent people, some people, from murdering their babies. We can't necessarily stop the next murder on the streets or the next Columbine, but we can stop the death or some deaths of the unborn and join organizations like Love Life and help prevent murder from taking place. Many lives have been spared because of the relentless prayers and activities of God's people in the abortion clinics. How many have seen the movie Unplanned? And so you'll understand then a little bit about what Love Life does on a daily basis all across America. Just before I introduce this couple, we want to show a little video clip that heads our minds in that direction of what we'll be doing and what it's all about. Now, I wish that the good Christian people of my area would have come to that desk camp to plead for our lives like you're doing here. If only a few had come, they would have been demonized and destroyed. But what if thousands, if thousands had gathered? Do not be weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap the reward if we do not lose heart. We unite today again, not just here in Charlotte, but in Greensboro and in Raleigh. It is our opportunity today to love our neighbor enough to stand up and be counted. It's our opportunity today to love our neighbor enough to reach out and love and to say there is a better way. We are a part of the greatest organism on the planet. We believe in your church and we pray today that you will use us not to bring shame, not to bring condemnation, but to bring hope. When the church comes together, people notice. When the church comes together, the enemy takes notice. And we're driving a stake in the ground today. We're not here to put a dent in it. We're here to see it eliminated. We are here today representing the body of Christ. It's not a Baptist thing. It's not a Methodist thing. It's not a Pentecostal thing. But it is a church thing. We can no longer just sit in our churches and pray. We can no longer sit quietly and sit in Church is here to help you walk with that baby. 
we will help you. Your prayers and your efforts were not in vain. God intervened. And because of you, and because God was working through you, she's here. Well, the reason for this land, the reason for this celebration, the reason for that stake in the ground is because we're about to see God do something supernatural. Latrobe is no longer going to be synonymous with death and abortion, but will be synonymous with life and adoption. God has called you to do something. He's called all of us to do something. What is your place on the wall? By the way, I just want to remind everyone here once again, like suicide, if you've ever had an abortion or you know someone's had an abortion, God doesn't see any difference between anger and murder, between lust and adultery, and between your sin and abortion. It's all sin that got nailed to the cross. If you will ask God, he will forgive you of your sin, but it is a sin. I'm going to ask uh, Mark and Holly at this time, would you give them a warm welcome as they come up? And they, they each, they, they, they own their own businesses. They're not in this for the money. They're sitting here because of what God did in their hearts and lives. And uh, Mark is my son's good friend, and that's how we met, and he shared about it. And then Jacob and I went out and did the walk with him, and and I realize we give money to these organizations, but what do I do with my feet and my hands? And I, all these years, I have not done much in this area. So I was convicted myself, I told them, of, of um, not doing much about this whole, this whole problem that plagues our society. But they're here to tell us a little bit more what Love Life does, what we can do to get involved. So give them one more time a nice warm welcome. God bless you here. God bless you here. God bless you. Yeah, I just got to say, we, uh, we're starting to meet a lot of pastors, and I just want to honor your pastor for a second. Pastor Ron, so encouraging to hear and see you standing so boldly and courageously for truth, not only on this issue, but so many others. So just thank you, brother. Praise Appreciate God. you. Praise God. So I had some notes, and like, like Pastor Ron said, it's, abortion is not the unforgivable sin. And quite honestly, we, the, those that have walked through that in the past, we know that one in four moms and one in four dads have an abortion in their past, and we see those, and we, we recognize them as like Navy SEALs in this mission because we say what, what our past miseries God uses for our today ministries today. So we've seen, we have testimonies of that, and we have other moms um, that, and, and dads that have come along and they've been strong voices within this movement. But that video that you saw, that was in Charlotte, it was, uh, took place in 2018, just to kind of update on some of those numbers, we've seen over 2,800 moms choose life at the abortion clinic that had scheduled abortions that chose life when the church was there offering them the hope of the gospel and the help of the local church. Yeah, amen. We've also seen over 80,000 people mobilized to prayer walks, 400 plus churches that have adopted a week, and that's what you guys are doing here today. Amen. This is your adoption amen. week. Um, so we believe, we don't believe love life is the answer. We do believe that the local church is the answer. That when we, when Matthew 16, 18 says that, that uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, we Amen. believe that. 
And we believe that we have been given the keys to the kingdom and whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And when the church stands and is that pillar and foundation of truth, and when we are that city set upon the hill and a light into the world, we see these moms, we see what we call, refer to as death, love overwhelming death in our city. So we are the respons- we, it's our responsibility as a church. But just to add a little bit to what we refer to as the tragic truth, the reality of abortion is that it is the leading cause of death in our nation and in our city. Um, like I mentioned before, one in four moms and one in four dads have an abortion in their past. And also of that, 54% of those abortions, those moms identify as Christians. And I believe the number is about 40% have been in a church regularly somewhere. So we recognize that this is our, our responsibility. Going into our adoption week now. So uh, the adoption week, what you saw is the church rallying together. Um, we break that down into four steps. What you're, we're in step one, which is the hear piece. We gotta hear and know that not only is abortion the leading cause of death, but it's also the shedding of innocent blood, it's murder. So when we start to call it what the Bible calls it, Amen. and not allowing what culture, CNN, Fox News, politicians, what they wanna call it, they wanna use other language and other terms like Pastor Ron spoke on so clearly, we have to start calling it what it is. So today's the hear piece, which is step one. Step two, is the pray piece. We're gonna ask you as a congregation, you're gonna be joining other believers, not only here in the city, but across the country on Wednesday through a time of prayer and fasting. Um, later we have a connection card. We're gonna send you out the prayer pieces. We, we care from everyone, from the owners of the clinics, the abortionists, the workers, the moms, the dads, everyone involved and also the church. So we have four prayer points that we walk through in that. Uh, step three is go. So this coming Saturday, we hold uh, prayer walks out at the clinic. Um, it's gonna be a time of worship. It's not a protest. We're not there to call out to moms. We have a strict code of conduct that we're there to be a prayerful presence. And like Pastor Ron said, to have a vo- to be a voice for a voiceless and stand in the gap for them. Saying something though, right? Yeah. Offering a pamphlet. We don't say anything, correct? But they say something, is that correct? That's so correct. One That's or correct. two people that are appointed, that are taught what to say and challenge the doctors as well as giving an opportunity for the mom or the grandma or the mom that's bringing daughter there, they do say something to them, but we don't. Is that correct? Yes, thank you for that. So, so that's going to be step four. If, if you feel led, we do have connection pieces, practical ways that we can stay involved and engaged in the mission. So we call those sidewalk outreach or sidewalk missionaries that they're there on the sidewalks offering the hope of the gospel and the help of the local church and other resources and pregnancy resource care, things like that. So offering them real choices. So yeah, one of those, you'll see a team out there that is there every day. Every day that that clinic is open, they're there. And it's one of our goals that we believe that there's, there's 700 clinics throughout the country. There's seven here in Broward County. Only one clinic, which is the Astro Women's Center, which is just up the street here in Plantation, has a Christian witness there when, when the killings are happening. So we're, it's our goal that we want to see every clinic covered with a Christian witness offering the hope of the gospel and the hope of the local church. So that's one of the connection pieces. So at the end of the prayer walk, we'll, we'll look to link you up. Another one, like we mentioned before, uh, is restored life. Um, so many that have walked through uh, abortions, we know that ultimately... If, if, when you're in Christ, you are forgiven, Amen. but we all, there's also healing yeah. and restoration that comes through that. So there's post-abortive Bible studies as well. Yeah, go ahead, please. Um, what Mark is talking about this year, Adoption Week, but I want to share just the vision and mission of Love Life. What 
we exist, Love Life exists to unite and mobilize the church, which will result in, which will shift culture from death to love and life, which will result in the end to abortion, the orphan crisis. So we believe it's through the church that we will shift culture from a biblical viewpoint. And so that is why we believe it's the church responsibility. So when we pray on Wednesdays, pray and fast, we use our spiritual weapons and we ask all of you that would want to commit to doing that. We know that when the church is praying on Wednesdays and when they're present during the go piece at the abortion clinic on Saturdays, that abortions are down 70%. And so this is why it is so valuable that and, and necessary for the church to be present in prayer because that's our greatest spiritual weapon that we can bring. We call upon our heavenly father to bring the kingdom down and to touch on these death mills and we not only want to see them close we want them to be a place of life and adoption and so we're not just believing that they'll shut down um, or be illegal Um, we had another pastor who said this and we've taken it to heart we want the church to make abortion and murder unthinkable and so this is why it's so important um, that the church uh, knows the truth knows these tragic truths but then also puts feet to their faith. And so we do call you to join us Saturday for that prayer walk. It's a peaceful prayer walk. Children, our children are always there. Um, it's a great way to disciple your children and put them in the battle and show them what it looks like to be a Christian and to, to go out and say, we are here. The church loves you. Um, there is a better way. So, yeah, that's great. So if you could, one thing I'd ask you to do is you had a, most of you had a vision booklet on your uh, chairs. There's a connection card. We'd love to connect with you. Um, and if you're going to be, uh, you know, raising your hand to go be a part of the prayer walk, we just want to get your email so we can send you the prayer points, give you all the information for the prayer walk, where it's at, address, etc. And just to share a, a quick story. Holly and I, our journey with this started in 2016. We were up in uh, Charlotte for a prayer uh, for a wedding, and we went to one of the prayer walks. Justin Reeder's the founder; he's one of a he's a good friend of ours. And um, the day we were there, we had our twins there. They were one years old. I had one of them on my on my shoulders. And the question that we were challenged with that day is: Do we do we really believe it's a life? You know, we hear it, we know it in scripture, we know it scientifically now. I mean, back in the '70s when Roe v. Wade happened, they didn't have the science that we have. So we not only know it scripturally, but we know it scientifically. And the challenge to me that day was, do you really believe it's a life? You know, we know in 2020 when, when we heard about, you know, a deadly virus, we changed our life patterns. We shifted the way we did things. We closed our businesses. We did things that were uncomfortable for us, um, wear masks, things like that. But we changed the way we couldn't do life the same. We changed our daily patterns. And that's what it was for us too because we really, the Lord got a hold of us and said, that's a life in the womb with the same value as a one-year-old, as a five-year-old, as you and I, and that changed us. And with that being said, we have to do something, right? So now we just believe that Love Life is that on-ramp to allow the church to get involved and allow you to do something more beyond just the prayer walk and beyond just knowing and voting. Not where it all ends, and and this is where we also want to pick up that we will be having a table back there pretty soon. Uh, The Cassidy's are going to help us with that for kids. So just explain quickly, it's not just keeping them from having the abortion. If they don't have the abortion, what do you do? 
That's right. Yeah, we say it's one thing to be against abortion. It's a whole other thing to be pro-life, right? We're pro-life. We want to, abortion is a downstream issue. So when moms choose life, we do our best to be able to connect with them and get their information so we can follow up with them. We want to plug them into a local church. We have mentors and that will walk with them and disciple them. We want to get them, give them a baby shower, provide for them for the first two years of the baby's life. Um, and ultimately get upstream from some of these issues. So yeah, and we, we say not only Which we could want... include fostering or adopting. Absolutely, stuff like that absolutely. These are these are key pieces. These are orphans in the womb. They're being abandoned by their parents. But we don't want to only care care for the orphans in the womb. We want to care for the orphans outside the womb as well. So if you believe that that's something that the Lord is challenging you to do, four kids is a great resource, and it's an integrated ministry with us as well. So yeah, thank you for that. So they'll be back at the table. I would love for you to sign up, or the card, there's a card, correct? A yes. card, a connection card that says, I know Jacob and I'll be there. Jacob, you, right? Jacob? Okay, want to make sure he's going to be there. He put him on the spot. I believe he's going to be leading worship Okay, there. so we're going to go. It's just a couple hours. We'll go out there and walk and, um, and pray. And as I said, wow, we could be used to deter someone from murdering their child. So sign that card in the back please, and say hello to them. Ask them about their story. By the way, we have a couple in our church, the Contis, that have a little booklet about their story. Uh, right, JC? I don't know if you guys have any of those booklets left, but uh, he has a story of what he's talking about, what he and his family have been through, and how God has blessed them afterwards um, and what he's done in their lives. So you could talk to them about this as well as to the Douglas. Okay? Let's give them a big hand and be sure to say hello to them in the way out. As we wrap up this, thank you for your patience as we went a little longer than usual and brought some things to your attention. We want to remind you online that if, if, if what we've said today, um, you need some answers, be sure to go to the comment section and tell us, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to get baptized. Or some of the things you talked about and need some more answers on. We do get back with people during the week. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.